Hi and welcome back. This is what I'm going to call flexible leftovers from last last week's podcast. We're on the August the 29th, 1994. We're going to kick it off with WCW. Clash of the Champions take place this week also and it should end up being the highest rated TV broadcast for WCW in years due to Hulk Hogan defending his title against Ric Flair. Logic would dictate that Flair should win in order to set up the final rubber match at Halloween Havoc but as you know Hogan don't lay down for no one so Flair had to do the job. This show will also feature the return of Dusty Rhodes to the ring, Antonio Inoki versus Stephen Regal, and Dave expects Austin versus Steamboat to steal the show, which it did. Hulk Hogan was interviewed by a Florida newspaper, and for the first time, he responded publicly to the comments Randy Savage and Bret Hart have made about him. There's some pretty choice quotes in here, so I'll just copy and paste it and say it all to you. About Savage. Hogan had this to say. I feel there's two kinds of people in the world. Winners and losers. Whatever his personal problems were with his wife. That's his problem. He shouldn't drag other people into it. If he screwed up and can't keep his marriage together. He shouldn't blame other people for it. And he should be able to handle his own problems. I consider him a friend. Yes but he was just using me. Hulk Hogan made made him seven figures. If it wasn't for Hogan. Savage would never have got to the level he did or made the money he did without Hogan. That doesn't happen. I thought we were friends, but it turned out he was just using me. Shut up, Hogan. You use everyone. And as of Bret Hart, Hogan claims he wasn't aware of anything Hart had said about him. So when the reporter told him that Bret had basically called him an old washed-up dinosaur and had to go down to a second-rate company, Hogan's response was... This dinosaur doubled the ratings on pay-per-view. He also made seven figures. I guess it's better to be a dinosaur than a sore loser. <laughs> Hogan's full of shit. When asked if he thought he would ever end up working for WCW, Hogan responded, No way, man. If you ever said this was going to happen ten years ago, or even a year ago, I would have said you were out of your mind. But then, in filming... Thunder in Paradise, I met Sting and saw what a great guy he is and we got to be friends. I also met Eric Bischoff during filming and got to see what a young driven guy he was and I saw how things would work there. Things weren't, weren't dragged through the mud like I was used to. The timing was perfect. Home, Hulk Hogan is bigger than the sport and WCW was looking to move into the direction of being number one. It was perfect timing after a couple of years off and besides that would have helped answer two of the great mysteries of wrestling number one it was said Hulk Hogan would never do it but what happened if Hogan went to WCW would he change the balance of the power in wrestling and number two and what would happen if Hogan wrestled Flair that's a meeting of wrestling's two biggest stars Hogan you're full of shit when asked about his relationship with Vince McMahon I haven't spoken to him in about a year I just heard him when I up to testify in a stereotype, 
But we didn't talk to each other. Vince is a good guy. And a lot of things that are not true were said about him. A lot of untrue stuff came out. I'm happy for him. The truth came out. I thought Vince and I would always remain in close contact. Even if the business relationship ever dissolved. We were close friends. And whenever the schedules would allow it. We would used to hang out together away from wrestling. I considered him one of my closest friends. But it got to the point where I was having to call him all the time. And he just wasn't calling me. When that continues happened as as ago, the other to go on to other things, I just figured he was moving in a different direction with the younger guys and I wasn't part of the plan. Fucking too right you wasn't. Johnny B. Bad blew out his ankle this week in England while participating in an American gladiator style TV show that is popular over there. No word on how long he'll be out, but he's booked to win the TV title from Stephen Regal at the pay-per-view in three weeks, so WCW's hoping he'll be ready. So do I, and that'll be a good match, that against Regal. WCW has booked a house show match of Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair match in November at Madison Square Garden. It'll be the first time a non-McMahon has run a WC show at the Garden in decades. <laughs> Doubt it. The status of Hogan's show Thunder and Paradise is up in the air. He hasn't, it hasn't been cancelled, but it hasn't been renewed yet either. If the show goes on, go under. Hogan is already talking about starting up a new show starring himself, Sting and Booker T. Good, good riddance. It was shit. WCW has changed their drug policy. Policy and marijuana will no longer be enforced or punished. Eric Watts was expected to be released when his contract expired, but some sort of chicanery extended his deal another three months. But WCW was pretty well much done with him after that. Jesse Ventura has been the centre of some controversy in Brooklyn Park, where he is still the mayor. Ventura is running for re-election, but another candidate who was running has blasted Ventura and noticed that he's he's missed 40% of city meet, meetings last year and that Ventura doesn't even live in Brooklyn anymore and shouldn't even be allowed to compete. In the current term, Ventura did recently buy a house just outside the city, but he still owns his, his old house there. The other candidates provided evidence that the house is vacant and that Ventura has been having his mail forwarded to his new house. Yeah, politics and all. Hey, politics. Off to ECW now. The NWA has agreed to, to have an ECW tournament to crown the new NWA champion after a week of haggling back and forth over the details, in reality, Todd Gordon had made it clear that he was planning to run a tournament using the NWA name either way and the NWA wasn't in a financial position to go to court and start him, stop him, so they decided just to get on board. There have been disagreements over who's the new champion should be, one of the board members, Dennis Carluzzo is pushing for Chris Benoit to win it, but Todd Gordon and Jim Crockett have someone else in mind. And for that, the two sides seem to be at an impasse about who should be. Jim Crockett reportedly said that he had never even heard of Chris Benoit. And how could they make him the champion without knowing if he has the work effort to be champion? Yeah, alright. David, what's Dave up to? And this and 
at this and says that while Benoit isn't a star in the US and he doesn't have a lot of charisma or promo skills, his work ethic is beyond question. Crocker claims to have never heard of Chris Benoit, either a lie or just shows how vast out of touch he is, which is scary for a guy who's currently trying to start a new promotion. Anyway, as, as of now, the participants in the tournament are Shane Douglas, the Tasmaniac, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, Two Coles, Scorpio, 911, and others are yet unnamed participants. Shane Douglas cut a promo in ECW regarding the upcoming NWA tournament, making some bitter remarks about me boy Ric Flair and challenged them to a shoe fight. Dave understood that Douglas is just using these programs promos to get heat but the problem is it gets the fans all hopeful for a match that will never happen Douglas versus Flair and it could all backfire we're off to Japan now just a little one we've got Vader known as Super Vader in Japan won the UWFI title last week this means Vader has held five different versions of the world title in his relatively short career the WCW the IWGP, the UWA, which was in Mexico, and CWA in Europe being the other four. For whatever it's worth, this is also brings Vader's total world title reigns up to 11. Jesus, I never knew that. Which puts him only one behind Ric Flair on all-time lists. After the match, Vader challenged Antonio Anoki. And this are rumours that Vader may be heading back to New Japan after this contract with UWFI ends. I want to see that match. We're off to Mexico now. Big shout out for Lorenzo. The media in Mexico is still talking a lot about the attendance crisis there. Just a few years ago, before wrestling was on TV in the country, there would be 18 different arenas run, running regular shows every Wednesday night throughout the country. Usually with packed crowds now, there's only one arena show every Wednesday in Mexico. There were those who warned, were warned all along that airing the show on TV would kill live attendance the same way they believed it did in America in the 80s. And, and sure enough, that seems to be exactly what's happened. No one goes to the show anymore when they can just stay at home and watch it for free on TV. Tut tut eh? Triple A held a show last week that got dangerously with Conan, Love Machine and Eddie Guerrero. Attacking some babyface, apparently the crowd he boarded on scary to the point that even AAA president Antonio Pena was worried that they may have gone too far since fans were angrily throwing everything they could at the ring. Jesus, Mexico, eh? A stable in AAA called Las Payasas, or I'll probably cripple that name, of free wrestlers dressed as clowns. Oh, I clowns. However, the commissioner in certain areas of Mexico City is an old-school wrestler and he believes having wrestlers dressed as clowns is disrespectful to the business so we won't license the wrestlers to work in that Pacific town. Good, aye, clowns. We head up north now to the WWF and SummerSlam pay-per-view takes place this week and it's not looking promising. Fuck you, Dave. Last year, SummerSlam did a buy rate of 1.3 which was considered very disappointing at the time. This year's company would be thrilled if that could do a 1.3, but no one thinks that's even remotely possible. Fuck you, Dave. The headline angle of The Undertaker versus The Undertaker has gotten so such old cold response that the word is the angle will be killed off 
for good after SummerSlam match and that Brian Lee will be repackaged and be given a new gimmick. Sadly, it never happened. The other big feud, Owen Hart versus Bret Hart, starts off strong early in the year, but in the last few months, how show business, with them being on top, has reached the lowest levels. The company history and their matches have been disappointment, which Dave isn't surprised by since Bret is pretty well known for phoning in half-assed performances at house shows, but they deliver show stealers at pay-per-view. Also, expect a Tonka to turn heel at pay-per-view. Dave, you you got to start putting warnings on this. Jesus. With experience with a 30-minute live call-in show on the USA Network last Sunday night, and it was a disaster f for starters. There was technical issues, and pretty much every fan that called in only confirmed every negative stereo people have thought about wrestling fans, a.k.a. dumb, backwards, recknecks. Dave doesn't know if they screened the calls to make sure no smart marks would call in, or if it was bad luck, or if the WWF fan base is just as dopey. Can't find the video, but it can't be any better than, than that live wire when um, Paul Heyman called. Paul Heyman called in. Jesus, if I can find it, I'll find the clip for you at a later date. The WWF announced that Survivor Series will be held at the 8,000-seat Freeman Coliseum in San Antonio, and Dave said it's a sign of the times that they would move one of their major pay-per-views to a secondary medium size arena. I agree, Dave, with that one. At the latest WWF tapings, Brian Armstrong debut but didn't get over at all. Max Payne was there as well but not on TV and there's been talks of putting them together as a rock band gimmick since both have musical talents. Yeah, alright. Yeah. There's been rumours of Rick Rude returning to the WWF to be managed by Tammy Stitch, but every, everyone Dave has spoken to which doesn't know anything about it. Can you imagine Tammy spending time with Rude? Oh man, poor Candido. Wouldn't have a chance in hell. I don't think Rick Rude was that type of bloke anyway. WWF had a really nice tribute piece about Joey Morello on TV this week. Sadly missed, great referee, and Shawn Michaels got into an altercation with a fan at the Portland TV tapings and had to be held back <laughs> by Diesel, but he was glad Diesel was there. Miscellaneous time now, we've got Brian Christopher toward his ACL. You guessed it, softball game last week and will be out of action for several weeks. More controversy now with the gangsters in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. It gets a little bit complicated, but basically it goes like this. WWF have made deals with both USWA and Smoky Mountain Wrestling that they would be in, included under the WWF umbrella of syndication shows. This way they could get more money from advertising and USWA and Smoky Mountain Wrestling would get a cut of the money, of course. Anyway, WWF decided to pull out of that deal with Smoky Mountain because they're worried about the controversy over the gangsters. It's not a huge deal for Smoky Mountain. They only lose a few hundred dollars a week, but it's not good either. Also, the Knoxville chapter of the NAACP have complained and threatened to picket Smoky Mountain shows in the arena, which... Cornet is thrilled about because he thinks the publicity will help attendance and Cornet says rappers say we're stuff all the time so what's the big deal? 
On a personal level, Dave says he lives in an ethnic diversity area in California and sees how racial divides people and he's not thrilled about any angles that play on racism. On the other hand, this is just the latest extreme of something that has been happening in pro wrestling for decades. Speaking of Spooky Mountain and the backlash from the fans about not sticking to their hair versus hair stipulation a few weeks back and the crowd turning on it, Cornet has admitted it was a mistake and if it had to do it over, he'd, he'd do it definitely. It was one of the shittiest moments in our history, but we'll get over it, Cornet says. And lastly, from the newsletters, Harry Smith, the young son of Davy Boy Smith, wrestled in Calgary at a show put together by Stu Hart at a local rodeo. Nine-year-old Harry wrestled his cousin, Matt Hart, in a match. Hmm. There was four special cards on this month, and we'll go first with ECW. At the bingo hall, attendance was 1,000 people on August the 13th. It was hardcore heaven. We've got Hack Myers defeated Rock and Robin at 440. We've got Chad Anderson defeated Tommy Carino at 4 minutes 30. Next up, we've got the ECW Television Championship match. Jason defeated Mikey Whiplash by disqualification at 12 minutes 9. We've got the Tasmaniac and Tommy Snooker defeated the Pitbulls 1 and 2 in 40 seconds. Next up, we've got 9-11 with Paul Lee Dangerously defeated Mr. Hughes with Shane Douglas and Angel in his corner at 3 minutes 33. Next up, we've got a, a Singapore K-match. The Sandman with Woman defeated Tommy Dreamer by disqualification in 53 seconds. We've got a baseball brawl match for the ECW Tag Team Championships. We've got Public Enemy, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge defeated the Bad Breed. Alex Rotten and Ian Rotten at 19 minutes and 9. Next up, we've got Sabu with 9-1-1 and Paulie Dangerously defeated 2 Cold Scorpion at 18 minutes and 28 seconds. And this looks like the main event, Cactus Jack for Terry Funk to a no contest in 11 minutes. Next up, it's a joint card. It's the... ECW, and remember this is East Coast Championship Wrestling and NWA World Title Tournament at the Bingo Hall on August 27, 1994. A thousand people in attendance. We've got tournament qualifying matches. Here we go. We've got two Cole Scorpio defeated Chris Benoit. We've got 9-11. With Paulie Dangerously defeating Doink the Clown. We've got Dean Malenko defeating Nishkum. Whoa, I've got no chance of reading that name by submission. Shane Douglas defeated the Tasmaniac. And that was the end of the quarterfinals. And we're into the semi-finals now. We've got two calls Scorpion. Scorpio defeated 9-1-1 by countout. And we've got Shane Douglas defeated Dean Malenko. And a, a break before the final, we've got ECW Tag Team Champions Cactus Jack and Mikey, Mikey Whip, Whipwreck defeated the Public Enemy in 14 minutes and 4 seconds. And the tournament final for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, we've got Shane Douglas 
did little fucking gobshite defeat a two cold scorpion in 12 minutes. You may have heard the disgust in my voice when saying Shane Douglas won the NWA champion on the championship on this night, but the little fuck buried the belt at the same time. Just listen to this clip and we'll go forth from there. <laughs> championship ever and I've hated them ever since and that's probably one of the main reasons why Dean Douglas was buried by Scott Hall <sighs> rant over definitely maybe the number one album from Oasis Featuring the hit singles Supersonic and Live Forever. The UK's number one album from the UK's number one band. Now 28 with the massive number one from Wet Wet Wet. 40 top chart hits from Stiltskin, Ace of Bass and All For One. Now 28 with Erasure, Aswad and Let Loose. The smash hits from CJ Lewis and China Black. Dawn Penn, The Grid and the BC-52's 40 huge chart hits. Now 28, that's what I call music. And after that much needed commercial breaks, we're on to SummerSlam 1994, held in Chicago, Illinois at the United Center with 23,000 in attendance. We've got Adam Bob defeated Quang in a dark match. And to open the show, we've got Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS defeated the Hen Shrinkers. 
bench qualification in a tag team match at 7 minutes 20. And in my favourite match of the card, we've got along the Braves, defeated Bowen McCarnell in a singles match at 8 minutes 10. Very stiff match. Bowen McCarnell with a vicious leg drop, so you want to check this bad boy out. Next up, we've got Razor Ramon with Walter Payton defeating Diesel in 15 minutes 3 in an Intercontinental Championship match. We've got a shit match next with Tatanka defeated Lex Luger in 6 minutes 2 to see who was the sellout. Spoiler, it was Tatanka. Next up, we've got Jeff Jarrett defeated Mabel in 5 minutes 45. Yeah, good match. And the first of our main event, we've got a steel cage match for the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Bret Hart defeated Owen Hart in 32 minutes and 22 seconds. Second, second best match on the card. That's all I've got to say, second best match on the card. And the co-main event, The Undertaker with Paul Bearer, the real one, defeated The Undertaker, a.k.a. Baker with Ted DiBiase in a should have been a lot shorter match 8 minutes and 57 seconds overall I did enjoy SummerSlam 94 fuck Meltzer's view and TBS special last one for the for this podcast was WCW's Clash of the Champions 28 August the 28th, 1994, in Cedar Rapids, Idaho, at the Five Seasons Center. Early on the show, Hulk Hogan was attacked by a masked man, played by Arn Anderson, though in the storyline, the assassin was eventually revealed as fucking Bruce's beefcake. Steamboats of the career ending back injury during his match. God damn. First up on the card was the Nasty Boys, Defeated Pretty Wonderful, Paul Roma and Paul Ondorf in a 10 minute and 5 second match in a WCW United States Heavyweight Championship match. Ricky Steamboat defeated Steve Austin in 20 minutes and 2 seconds. Dustin and Dusty Rhodes defeated Terry Funk in the Buckhouse Book by disqualification at 7 minutes 51. And Tony Inoki defeated Lord Stephen Regal with Sir William in 9 minutes 28. Fish that one out, that's a really good match there. Ric Flair defeated Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart and the Butcher. By count out at 15 minutes 53. Yeah. Cracking main event. Just go for the Inoki match for me. And that's it for this episode. With flexible leftovers. Hopefully the next episode will be out on time. At midnight on Thursday. Just remember I've got a Patreon account. Just just a dollar a month. To get this iRig mic cast. Make these podcasts sound better. So you can hear my rich Scouse accent better. And after the fact it'll all go for to figure four weekly. So we can get go deeper into these reviews but until next time i'll see you on the other side oh yes thanks to my sponsor raven for her headbutts and sandpaper licks and as always diane for putting up with me see you next time